You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. We've placed ourselves as the idol. We've placed ourselves ahead of God. We begin to replace God's love for these things, good things. I'm not saying it's wrong. We have to work. We have to eat. We have to have careers. Family's a great thing. Money is a good thing. We need it to get along, houses, all those things. But when they become more important to us than God, when we set them up as an idol and start worshiping those things, we've lost consciousness of God. Idol worship seems far removed from our modern culture. You don't see anyone bowing down to little shiny statues anymore. But, as Pastor Dave will remind us in today's message, worship happens in many forms. Where are you spending your money, time, and energy? That could be the subject of your worship. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 18 as he begins his message, A Good King. They made these high places and they would make altars up there and they would go and they would burn incense and they even sacrificed up there. This is totally against God's law. A lot of the other kings allowed this to happen. A lot of the other kings didn't tear down the high places, but Hezekiah, he tore them down. He tore them down. He's one of the few kings that does this and God will honor him because of this. See, the lesson we need to learn here is that when we follow God totally, God honors that and then he blesses us. Now you might argue with me, well, God's going to bless us anyhow. Yes, he does. He certainly does. He certainly blesses us and we've been blessed through Jesus Christ. Yes, we have. But if we continue to follow God and we do what is right totally and trying to do everything we can, God is going to continue to bless us. He's going to continue to pour his heart out upon his children because we're now his children. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. And we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So that's a wonderful, beautiful thing there that he ours. So as Hezekiah took over as king, the first thing he did was start to remove these false idols, remove these false gods from the worship centers that were created in Judah. Remember, at the end of 17, Judah was beginning to fall into the worship of idols. He destroyed them. He got rid of them. So the people would turn back to God. That's the whole point. If my people who are called by my name, we're we're, we're at a precipice here, folks. It's a high point. It's a high point. Don't look at it as a low point. What's interesting here is for some reason, they kept the bronze serpent that Moses had made in the wilderness. Now turn to Numbers 29. Numbers 29, we've talked about this before, but I I think it's written here and we need to talk about it one more time. In in, in, In Numbers 29, it's a great little story here, beginning in verse 5 through 9. 21, I'm sorry, did I say 29? I apologize. Numbers 21, I'll get it right sometime. I'm going to read verses 4 through 
9. Then they journeyed to Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water. Our soul loathes as worthless bread. Talking about the manna, angel's food. They don't like it. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against, uh, against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the serpents from us. So Moses intercedes for the Lord. He prays to the people, for the people. Look at verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on the pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a fiery serpent bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. A couple interesting things here. One of the things is that people had made an idol out of what this thing was. 800 years had gone by. 800 years had gone by since Moses had made this thing. And now they're worshiping it. They're burning incense to it. It's most crazy thing. They've preserved this thing for 800 years, and now they're burning incense to it. At once, it was a victory for God. It symbolized God's victory, and they make it into an idol. They make it into an idol, and they're worshiping this pole, this bronze serpent. Man is prone to want to worship. Man has the desire and is built-in thing to want a worship. But we want to worship something we can see. We want to worship an object. And when this happens, it's a sign that we've lost our consciousness of God. We've lost our consciousness of God to look at this. We've, we, we, we've misplaced something in, in that relationship. We've misplaced the, the awareness that God will never leave nor forsake us. We've misplaced that God is with us at all times. But the second thing an idol tells us is that somewhere when man has a longing to, to regain that was, was lost, that's why he builds an idol. He's trying to get back what he's lost. Instead of going to the one true living God, he goes to an idol. I'm longing for something. I'm longing for that consciousness and an awareness of God, so I make this thing. But Hezekiah called it exactly what it was, Nehushtan. It was a thing of bronze. So he breaks it into pieces and he puts an end to this idolatrous worship. Now the bronze serpent, when in its time, was a wonderful thing. I'm sure many people were saved Many, many, many people were saved when they looked at the bronze serpent after getting bitten by a snake. I'm sure many people died because they didn't believe in the promise of God. We see that happening today. We see that happening today. What is brass? It's a symbol of God's judgment. The serpent, serpent was a symbol of sin. The people had sinned against the Lord. They were murmuring. So the brass serpent there on the pole in the wilderness was a symbol of their sin which had been committed, and God was judging their sin by the snakes. All they had to do then was look at the provision that God had made. When Moses lifted up the serpent right here, and they saw it, they were healed. We can lose consciousness of God. And then we start to place him with idols. Our careers, our family, even ministry can be idols. Even the things that we do or who we think are good can be idols. If we're not doing it for the right reason, it's an idol. It's not for God. 
If we're not doing it for the right reason, we're not doing things because God has shown us to do them or told us to do them, then we're doing them for ourselves and we've placed ourselves as the idol. We've placed ourselves ahead of God. We begin to replace God's love for these things. Good things. I'm not saying it's wrong. We have to work. We have to eat. We have to have careers. Family's a great thing. Money is a good thing. We need it to get along. Houses, all those things. But when they become more important to us than God, when we set them up as an idol and start worshiping those things, we've lost consciousness of God. If you're doing something and you're complaining about it, if you're unsure about it, or if you don't know if you should be doing it and you're feeling that you might, and then you feel you have to do it, you're serving yourself, not God. You're not serving God. Because everything you do for God is a pleasure. Everything you do for the Lord is joy, is happiness, and you have peace about it. You don't have turmoil. But there's something special about this story, and you know what it is. There's something very special about this story, about the brass serpent. Because in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he uses the brass serpent as an illustration. He uses it as an illustration of what happened to him last Friday. Look at John 3, verses 14 and 15. Now, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Remember that you must be born again. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Beautiful scriptures. So the brass serpent became a shadow of Jesus. It became a type of Jesus. Where was Jesus lifted up? On the cross. And if we look to the cross where Jesus was lifted up, God does something in our heart and we repent of our sins and we're born again into a living hope by accepting Jesus' sacrifice on that cross. And this is where it is. So this bronze serpent that they kept around for 800 years went from being something that was very, very valuable that God used to save people. They put it in place of God and started worshiping that particular thing. And Hezekiah said, Nehushtan, it's just a thing of brass. It's just a thing of brass. It means nothing. It means nothing anymore. What are you worshiping this thing for? We can say that the same thing about us. Why are you worshiping your truck? Why are you worshiping your car? Why are you worshiping this? Why are you worshiping that? Why are you worshiping your career? Just a career, because at the end, they're all going to go anyhow. It's all going to be gone. I don't have anything against trucks. I don't have anything against cars. I don't have anything against careers. I'm just trying to make a point. I hope you see what I'm trying to say. I drive a car. I drive my wife's Jeep. I had a career. I have a career. Those kind of things. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to put anybody down who has those things. That's not the intent here. So why did Hezekiah do all these things? What what was the purpose of Hezekiah doing these things? We can find that. In 5 and 6, the purpose was because he trusted in the Lord God. Look at verses 5 and 6. He, is Hezekiah, trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were there before him. So he's outdoing Asa. He's outdoing Jehoshaphat. 
And even Josiah won't compare to Hezekiah. There's only one who is put above Hezekiah on the kingly throne. You know who that is. It's David. Only David. But Hezekiah is a good king. He is a good king. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were there before. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. He kept the commandments. He kept the law of the Lord. Holy mackerel, if you go all the way back to Joshua 1. In Joshua 1, when Joshua was getting ready to take the Israelites across the river, the Jordan River, the Lord told him, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That's what the Lord was telling him. Hezekiah is doing this very thing. He's trusting in the Lord. He, 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 is, he is not departing from his word. He, he is taking everything that he sees and giving it to the Lord. Why? Because Hezekiah had a passion for God. I know a lot of you out there are zealous for God. I see your zeal and I love it. You are zealous for the things of God. You are zealous for him. And you have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Hezekiah was zealous for God. He had a passion for God. And he realized he had a relationship with the creator of the universe. He trusted in the one true living God. He didn't trust in idols made of wood, brass, or bronze. He held fast to the Lord, meaning he trusted in the Lord with all his heart. What does it say in Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all his ways and he will direct your paths. The same type of thing is happening right here with Hezekiah. It's a beautiful example of a lot of things we've been talking about. He believed the Lord to be with him in times of trouble. And he knew the Lord was faithful and true to those who called upon his name. Saint, brothers and sisters, that's you. You who have called upon the name of the Lord. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You are the ones that we're talking about here. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. The Lord will bring you through this time. The Lord will bring you through these craziness. He will bring you through. Trust in him. Don't start leaning on your own understanding. Well, what can I do? How can I get out of this? What can I do to circumvent this? or circ No, trust in the Lord. Keep your promises to him because he has kept his promise to you. Hezekiah knew the Lord was faithful. We should know the Lord is faithful for what he's done in our lives. We should know that he's ever faithful. In fact, what does the scripture say? Come on, we repeat it all the time in Timothy. He is faithful even when we're faithless because he can't deny himself. He is faithful to you and will always be faithful. And what really blows my mind, and I love this, I really do. It talks about, you know, this looks at the, the relative between a, a, a good father and a bad father or whatever, a bad upbringing. Think about this. Hezekiah is considered one of the greatest kings of Judah. But his father, Ahaz, is considered one of the worst. Hezekiah didn't allow his father's sins to drag him down. And didn't blame his father for his bad life. He moved on because he followed God. He followed God. And God lifted him up. And God made him one of his children. He was a child of God. 
which is far more important. The Lord was with Hezekiah, and he prospered. Let's look at 7 and 8. Listen to what he did. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from watchtower to fortified city. When we get to Second Chronicles, we're going to read that Asa, when he came back of victory over the Ethiopians, had the prophets say this to them, The Lord is with you while you were with him, and if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Hezekiah was committed totally to the Lord. Committed totally to the Lord. He obeyed the commandments. He clung to the Lord with all his strength, and thus the Lord was with him. And I suggest, folks, that in this time of crisis... As we're clinging to the Lord, guess what? He's clinging to you more. He has a hold of you more than you have a hold of him. He's not going to let you go. He is not going to let you go. He has you. There's consequences for good and bad. This is a good consequence. He committed himself to the Lord, and the good consequences was the Lord was with him, and he prospered. So, Fram oil filter, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. You want the good consequences or the bad consequences? I love it. Because Hezekiah was faithful to trust in the Lord, God blessed him thoroughly. Everything he did, he was blessed. I'm not saying the guy was perfect and he didn't sin. You don't hear me saying that. But he blessed him. God continued to bless him. It fulfilled the long-standing promise to David and his descendants. If they obeyed God, the reign would be secure. Remember way back in, in 2 Samuel 7 when God made his promise to David. He said, if your sons follow me, if they commit to me, if they do what they're supposed to do and follow my commandments, then they will prosper, they will be strong, and they will flourish. And the reign would be long. Hezekiah reigned 29 years. That's the longest of a lot that we've seen lately. Assyria was a mighty, mighty nation at this time. They had already carried away the northern kingdom, yet kingdom of Judah stood up against. They stood strong because God had blessed them because they had a trusting and obedient king. You know, sometimes I think that God is still blessed in the United States because I get the feeling that our president is trusting in him. I get the feeling our president is being obedient. I don't know. I could be wrong. But it just appears that way. God will always bless those who are trusting in him and who are obedient to his word. David understood this. David, of all people, understood this. And we're going to finish here. Look at Psalm 1. Just going to read two verses. Actually, I'm going to read three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. David understood that. Blessed is the man who doesn't do these kind of things, doesn't set up idols for himself, doesn't go after foreign gods, doesn't walk with the sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, doesn't take the wrong path, sits and thinks of the Lord and meditates on his word and, and, and has it within him. You might know the word of God, but did you know God of the word? 
You might be able to recite scripture after scripture, but do you know that God that you're talking about? Do you have a deep relationship with him? We may speak of thinking, behaving, and belonging. It says the righteous man and the ungodly man are different in how they think, how they behave, and to whom they belong. We've been bought with a price, ladies and gentlemen. Brothers and sisters, we've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We were bought. We're not our own anymore. We belong to him. But he tells us to call him friend. We don't even have to call him master. I don't can't think of calling anything but Lord. I can't think of anything but doing but bowing down before him and put my face on the floor and lying prostrate in front of him. The man trusting in God doesn't do these things. Instead, he meditates on the word of God. He follows hard after it. He's like that tree. And, and I went back to, the, to Peter. He becomes perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. That's what the, the man of God is. He is perfect in God's eyes. He's perfect. He's being perfected. He's being sanctified. But in God's eyes, that's already happened. He's established. What is the man of God established on? The rock of Jesus Christ. He's, he's established firmly upon that rock, and he can't be moved. He's strengthened. Where do I get my strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I am strengthened by the, the, by the Lord. Stand in the power of God and his strength. Stand strong in the Lord. And I am settled. It's done. It's a done deal. I know my Redeemer lives, and I know I will be with him one day. I'm settled in that. I'm established in that. I'm strengthened in that. And I'm being perfected. What a glorious time. This is what Hezekiah was, and this is how Hezekiah came out. And, and, and he had a wonderful time, 29 years. Yes, he's going to make some mistakes, and we're going to read about them because the Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. But David made mistakes. And God considers David a man after his own heart. Where do you stand today, brothers and sisters? Where are you today? Are you in the midst of searching for something Have you placed something in front of your relationship with God? Have you made something an idol? It can be the smallest of things, but you make it so big. Are you thinking about this all the time and and, and all this stuff? It can do that to you. Idols can be so subtle. They can just creep into your lives and all of a sudden you don't realize that you're worshiping them instead of God. We love you here at Calvary Chapel. Man, we love you. And we miss you terribly. We talk about you all the time in a good way. And we pray for you. And we want to pray for you. If you're needing a prayer, I just come on by on Friday. And we'll just pray. And then you can drive on your way and know that the Lord's going to bless you. We don't, we don't have anything special, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to share that with you guys. We love you. We love you. It's fun to study a good king. <laughs> it's fun to study a good king. You know, I spent all those times talking about woe and blah, blah, blah. And I hope I didn't dwell too much on that tonight because Hezekiah is a good king. He was a good king. Somebody got it right. Somebody got it right. So God bless you. We love you. And I would hope and pray that you would spend some time in prayer. Whether you're alone or with someone, spend some time in prayer right now, won't you? You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, 
God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves Him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to Him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Oh